welcome to the Functional Breeding Podcast. I'm Jessica Heckman, and I'm here interviewing folks about how to breed dogs for function and for health, behavioral and physical. This podcast is brought to you by the Functional Dog Collaborative, an organization founded to support the ethical breeding of healthy, behaviorally sound dogs. The FDC's goals include providing educational, social, and technical resources to breeders of both purebred and mixed breed dogs. You can find out more at functionalbreeding.org or at the Functional Breeding Facebook group, which is a friendly and inclusive community. I hope you have fun and learn something. Hi, friends. This week, I have the pleasure of presenting to you Linda Siever. Linda is the founder of Burner University, a two-day educational conference which convenes once each year at the Bernese Mountain Dog Club of America National Specialty. Burner U aims to educate Burner owners and breeders about their dogs, including information from veterinarians, behaviorists, and experienced breeders, among others. Linda was a pleasure to talk to, and I hope you enjoy hearing about just how good breeder education can be. Linda, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. You're more than welcome. I'll always talk about Burner U. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I figured I would start out, so I generally start out uh, asking the easiest questions first, which is, why don't you tell us about your dogs? I currently have my 10th Bernese Mountain Dog. Wow. Um, I started looking in 1978, and I had to go to Switzerland to get one in 1980. And um, I've had three brood bitches and some lovely males, and I wouldn't live without one. They are lovely, lovely dogs. I have a friend who I train with who has one, so I get to have one vicariously through her. Perfect. You don't have all the fur. I don't. Well, I have my own fur. fur. <laughs> but I, at least during the pandemic, too, because we train together, I still get to see lots of video of him. <laughs> so you transitioned then at some point from having burners to educating burner people about how to make more burners. So... How did that happen? Like, what what were the seeds? We will get. Let's just talk about where Burner U came from first, and then we'll sort of slide into what Burner U is from there. Okay, I was fortunate to have three, at minimum, three lovely mentors who really taught me about how to maintain a Bernese and keep them healthy, and then how to breed. I've only had five litters in. 40 years, but I was fortunate to learn from some people who knew a whole lot of, who, who, who had a whole lot of knowledge that I didn't have. And at some point they started getting older um, and maybe stopped coming to specialties and stopped showing and judging because they were aging. And I also got tired of standing behind them ringside trying to eavesdrop on what they <laughs> were seeing that I couldn't see. And so in 2005, I was asked to be the education chair for a national specialty. And rather than do one well-known speaker after dinner on Thursday night, I agreed to do it if I could do it my own way. And Andrea Brin, who was my partner in creating Burner University, and I created, um, the first year we had four days of classes, we had 48 classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday during specialty week. And our specialties have always been pretty much Wednesday through Saturday, but they were 
gradually creeping earlier in the week because burners started hurting and tracking. Burners began doing agility and burners draft. But there were fewer people those first, the first days of the week, so I felt I could introduce Burner University and people were adults. They could choose to go watch draft. They could compete and then come to class. Um, in the end, we have had for 15 years two days of classes. Classes are two hours long. We've, I think I said to you, I've made a lot of mistakes, but uh, the thing that works is 9 to 11 is the first class, 12 to 2 is the second, bring your lunch. Uh, the third class is 3 to 5. And there's an hour in between for people to walk their dogs because dogs are welcome and well-behaved dogs are welcome in every class. So that's very attractive to people who come to a specialty, particularly when they come with one to five dogs. They don't want them to spend all day in crates or in cars or in hotel rooms. So they come to class with their dogs. We have five different departments. Better breeding was the first one, and it was because I wanted to learn more about This was all very selfish. Sure, it sounds course. good, but it's very selfish. Well, I mean, this is why I'm starting this this whole project that I'm starting is so that my next dog will be the dog that I want. That's entirely why. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to learn more about breeding. And then I wanted to learn more. Um, burners suffer from really lousy immune systems mm -hmm. and um, terrible, terrible problems with cancer. So, and our longevity just is dreadful. Males' average age of death is seven, females is 8.2. So there was a lot that I wanted to learn. So I basically emailed or called people that I knew knew something that I wanted to learn and said, would you teach a class in X? Or would you teach a class in something you're really excited about now? Something you want to teach, something that you love to talk about. And um, there was an amazing response of generosity peer educators among BMDCA members, the Bernese Mountain Dog Club of America members. And then I started tapping guest faculty. And guest faculty were well-known um, canine professionals, Gene Dodds, Andrew Lusher, David Waters, Ian Dunbar, and asked people, to, would they come and teach? Because we had people that really wanted to learn. And they said yes. Did they take much convincing, or was this the kind of thing no. that they were eager to do? <laughs> no. No. Uh, basically, I collect all the faculty and schedule the two days. I try to balance it between breeding, breeding correct confirmation, because in, in the early 80s, burners were short and squat, mm. long-legged and tall. Mm -hmm. Some of them were really rangy. Others of them were correct. <laughs> And so we every year we have a class in the in the standard in the AKC Bernie's Mountain Dog Club of America standard, where a burner breeder judge teaches the standard of this dog, and that seems to pull in new owners who mm. fell in love because the dogs are gorgeous and they're affectionate and they're and they're funny, um, but if they think they want to breed, they have to learn how what they're breeding for and to. We've had lots of classes um, on, so, sorry, better breeding, correct confirmation, um, health maintenance because yeah. of our cancer problems. So we've had lots of cancer researchers, Matthew Breen from North Carolina State, 
Heidi Parker from the National Institutes of Health, and then effective stewardship, which includes uh, my belief, and, and I think many people in the burner community, if you're going to breed, you better rescue. You can't just do pumping out puppies and let somebody else do the painful, sad, taking them in, getting them, you know, the surgery that they needed that the owner couldn't afford. So we have effective stewardship with issue uh, classes on fostering, on rescue. There's a rescue roundtable every year where all of the regional rescue chair people and the national rescue chairperson, who just got the outstanding, um, outstanding member of uh, BMDCA this year, okay. they all sit down and they network for two or three hours. And Burner U provides an opportunity for them to do that. And then the last department is working partnerships, which was the best phrase I could describe to include draft agility, obedience, rally, mm. barn hunt, dra dock diving, surfing. We have sur we had a class in <laughs> surfing burners when we were in Monterey. Yes. And you know what? I think there were six or seven burners who were new to surfing and they learned how to do it in wow. that class. Yeah. You didn't have an ocean in the class. How did you just, did you actually bring surfboards in? Oh, we were in Monterey. Oh, so you actually went out and did it. We went down to Dog Beach in Monterey <laughs> and the dog surfed. They did it. Wow, that's a lot of fun. Nani was the first surfing burner. There was a burner in California who raised a lot of money for a California welfare, canine welfare, you know, rescue groups. And, um, the owners, Nani's owners taught the class and there were BMDCA members. So mm -hmm. of the 18 classes that happen over two days, probably a dozen of them are taught by BMDCA members who are sharing their expertise or their passion, what they're excited about. The breeder judges, I usually ask, I try to spread that around and have different people every year. And then I invite about a half a dozen faculty guests who are either uh, really well-known people like Gene Dodds and Ron Schultz um, to come and talk about vaccines and titers and the Rabies Challenge Fund, or their guests, the, are, the guests are um, local canine professionals like you <laughs> were for somebody said, oh, I know Jessica, or I know Shannon Hall. She's terrific. Um, and she lives right where we're going to have the specialty. Invite her. So the local people get to contribute. You know, the regional club people clue me in on who, who to yeah. ask. So um, the other really important class I think that we've had, which is relates to breeding, is do you know what a European Seeger evaluation is? No. Okay. In Switzerland and Germany, and I think in Denmark and Sweden also, you there's a ring and a judge, and the judge also has a scribe. And you bring your dog into the ring, and the judge goes over it and then asks it to go down and back and move around, you know, go around the ring. And then out loud so that everyone can hear all the people standing ringside and all the other competitors, the scribe will read a list of about three dozen aspects of this dog. 
So she'll say head type, eye color, muzzle, shoulder layback, outline, tail set, angulation. And the judge gives a number from one to nine. Don't ask me why, but it's one to nine. It should be 10, but yeah, it's one to nine. And then that's posted on a big, like a sandwich board. So afterwards, all the other competitors, as well as people ringside, can go up and see what that judge thought about that dog. So that's how they, that's how they do their competition. Mm. We tweaked that to make it a class. So if you get to pay an extra $40, you can have a burner breeder judge go over your 12-month or 2-year-old female if you're trying to decide if you want to breed. Is this bitch worth breeding? What are the girl's faults so that I need to know what strengths to look for in a sire, right? Yes. So the same thing happens. The judge says, goes over the dog's hands, asks the dog to move, comes back, and then the, and the scribe reads out the list of three dozen characteristics. And our burner breeder judge gives them a number. The difference is this is not a competition and there's no points. But the other people in the class, and there are often two dozen people in this class that came to sit and listen, get to ask questions and have a conversation. I don't see the shoulder layback. I don't see that the way you why is that a five? It looks like a nine to me. And the judge can then or the teacher judge can then say, come up, put your hands on this dog and I'll let you feel this is what the shoulders are doing and this is what they should be doing. Yeah. So the so the people in the class get to touch and touch the dog. And if if your dog gets an excellent, which is what Seeger means, um, you get um, a biography of the judge. You get a sheet with all the numbers on it. So there's a record. You get a photograph of the judge and with your dog and, you know, of your dog that day. Um, and you get to take that home as a record so that, all right, you know who you're looking for as a sire or a dam to match your dog, according to this one person. Now, that what it ignores is that different judges see different things. However... This is somebody who's been breeding Bernese for a long time and has had several, several champions and several healthy litters. Well, and I love the interactive aspect of it where people can talk and learn. Yeah. I think frequently we think that the best way to teach someone is by lecturing and we just deposit the information in front of them and hope that they absorb it. But in fact, a much better way of learning is by interacting and trying to using what you learn. So I just, I love that of having an expert there and people saying, well, why did you say this? And why did you say that? And being able to actually work through it and ask yes. questions. Yes. We've done it with the European Seeger evaluation class is with one judge. We've, we invented an American Seeger evaluation class, which had two American judges having a conversation about, well, I don't see it that way. Why do you see it that way? I see it differently. This is why I see it differently. So you're right. It's really the dialogue that's generated. Um, which is kind of what I was looking for, you know, in terms of eavesdropping behind people who knew so yes. much more than I did. <laughs> I wanted to ask, I wanted the opportunity to ask questions and not feel um, intrusive and not feel so flagrantly um, ignorant, which in 1980 I was. I mean, I knew nothing. 
I knew nothing. I didn't buy my dog as a show dog. I bought my dog because I fell in love with burners. And um, and when he was two, he won a match. <laughs> and frequently, that's the way it happens. You win a match yeah. and you get that one. You love my dog as much as I love my dog? Oh, cool. Yeah. Let's do this again. <laughs> and you felt like at the time that there wasn't anywhere else for you to go to learn all of this stuff. Nothing. It was really person to person at the time. Absolutely. Which is a lovely way to learn, to be t- tutored. If you can do it. If you can do it. And I was fortunate. I had wonderful people teaching me. But everybody doesn't have that. And if you live in the middle of nowhere, I live an hour outside Manhattan. If you live in Nebraska, if you live in South Dakota, there's not a wealth of burners in the first place and that there's not a lot of people who will give you the time. So I was blessed and wanted to share that. Um, But the Seeger, the, the Seeger class every year. I have that every year. Of all of the classes that we've offered, um, understanding movement is probably the most popular class. And it's taught by a burner breeder judge. And she will get 50 or 60 people to sign up for that class and show up for the class. And is that also a more of a conversation driven class? There's a lot of conversation and she's very welcoming about yes. But it's but she has wonderful videos and wonderful slides, and she knows movement inside and out. Margie Riho, she's a gem. And so we have that, and the other class that year in, year out is always a success is massage. So we can have 30 or 35 um, dogs lying down on a banquet room rug in a hotel with their owners learning how to do hands-on massage or Tellington Touch or Reiki. Um, And people love doing that with their dogs. Lots of pet owners come to our specialties. I think that may be different than some other breeds, but we have often 800 or 900 people sign up for this week of what amounts to me to dog camp. It's dog camp. That sounds lovely. It, it is lovely. It's one of the happiest weeks all year long. But so massage and movement are very popular. Um, for several years, I was also um, breeder education chairperson. So I not only organized Burner U, but I chose the breeder symposium speaker. So this is kind of where you are right now in creating something. Two other active burner owners in the specialty and I were having a glass of wine and we were trying to figure out how to get more breeders to come earlier in the week to class. Sometimes breeders just show up on Wednesday or Thursday for confirmation competition. And we wanted them to come and learn more genetics. We wanted them to come learn more movement, um, more whelping classes to keep, keep puppies alive and um, avoid as many C-sections as possible. And so among the three of us, we decided that we would create the Breeder Symposium on Monday night. And if we offered a, just a nationally known speaker who was so amazing, everybody would come and pay the extra two days hotel just to be there on Monday night. And it worked, and it really worked. So that the, the, res, the reservations, followed and we started the first year with Gerald Bell 
Mm, yeah. And he spoke for two hours. There were 200 people sitting in that room, and oh, you could have wow. heard a pin drop. P- burner people really thrive on education. Burner owners, they really do. It's been 15 years now. We've had 15. 2019 was canceled because of COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a virtual specialty that they tried to, they held. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of where the webinars were, were part of, in some sense, that you, that where you taught. But um, we've had 15 years. And um, I'm no longer Breeder Education Chair. Don Cox is now. But we get really amazing people to come and teach. Um, they're paid. We give them hotel room. We give them dinner. We ply them with questions and <laughs> um, and drive them crazy, too, I'm sure, with, with attention. But um, it worked. So it's really 9 to 9, Monday and Tuesday. I love that you wanted people to come to get education and you thought, how am I going to get people to come get education? And your answer was, I'll offer them more education. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it had to be somebody that offered value. Yeah. You know, and that had answers to some of our questions. Yes. Yes. You can't teach people things they don't want to learn. And one thing I learned when I was, I did this um, certification in how to be a good teacher. And one of the things I learned was if you can't tell someone why they should learn this, then you can't expect to teach it to them. And I was like, oh, gosh, I wish I could have told all my vet school teachers that. (laughs) Yes. So it sounds like it's been a really major undertaking for you. And it's you started off. It was just you at the beginning. Um, Andrea Bryn was Mm -hmm. someone who. Uh, was a BMDCA member, but I didn't know, never met her. Mm-hmm. I don't think we met in person for a whole year. But she had talents that I didn't have, and they meshed really well. Andrea created our first health cards, which were baseball cards that are laminated, and they address burner-specific health issues. So our first one was bloat, There's because so many Bernies uh, at that time in the 80s died of bloat. It used to be our second cause of death. It's now down to four or five, I think. Um, Heat stroke, because burners had double-coated dogs. And we went on from there. We had 15 different, 15 or 16 different health cards that we give out. And that we give them out. So if you you registered, registration the first year was $25 for 18, for 48 classes. It's now $50. It's been that way for a long time. But you're still getting... Reasonable. It's insanely cheap. <laughs> it is. It is. So the, so the cards are little laminated cards. And so yes. what's on the card? So if it's a card about bloat, then what's on the card? On the front are, are all the symptoms. On the back are what you do and how much you have to worry. <laughs> and the expectation is that someone would have this, what, like in their wallet or something? In their wallet, in their glove compartment when they travel. Every breeder who sells a puppy doesn't do major education for their new puppy owners or they do and they put it in a notebook which was very common in the early days and hand it to the new puppy owner but the new puppy owner gets very busy and doesn't necessarily read all that health awareness information so um we want we put we made them health cards there were three bernies that i've heard who had bloat and were saved because somebody whipped out their card um andrea also created 
the Burner U website, which is up and still has the history and a lot of lists of the people who've spoken and a lot of the articles that they gave us permission to print. Um, and Andrea's contribution was also the Media Center, mm. which was beyond me technically. But probably 12 out of the 15 years, we have had a smaller meeting room in a hotel where we put up a half a dozen laptops with new software, new programs that people have found that were relevant to Bernese, either about structure or anatomy or health. We've also had um, almost a throwback to your science fair where, yeah. where members have made trifolds. You know, you go to Staples and you get a trifold and tell yes. a story. And so we've had dozens of trifolds on um, death cap mushrooms, on surfing. After we did surfing the first year, there was a surfing one because people <laughs> didn't believe it. So we did photographs of the surfing, yeah. surfing Bernese. But um, anatomical models, we had a full skeleton, a hip, an elbow, and an ear, actual models so people could see what hip dysplasia looked like. They could pick it up and move it and see what the dog was experiencing. I had a notebook of contracts. I asked uh, burner breeders to send in their contracts, their sales contracts, their, their breeding contracts. So I had a whole notebook. So if you were considering breeding, you could come in and sit down and read through contracts and see how other people, what people concluded and what made sense to them. Um, and probably best of all, we had, um, well, two things. We had a burner book swap, which people look forward to because everybody buys too many books and subscribes to too many dog magazines. But when you have five years sitting in your basement or in your bookshelf, you don't want to throw them out, but you want to share them. So we just set up two eight-foot tables and pile books on. And the rule is bring one, take one. And if you didn't bring one, leave a dollar, you know, and then we give the money to rescue. That's amazing. It's fun. It's real. And the years we haven't had it, people were really annoyed that I didn't <laughs> announce that there was no book swap because they brought three cartons of books that year. But um, so we give them to the regional club and the regional club does a book swap among, you know, the next time they have a match or a meeting or something. The other thing we've included, which has been a lot of fun, was burner crafts. We've had um, burner fur belting we've had <laughs> that's amazing we've had um barbie wilczek makes astoundingly gorgeous hooked rugs that are from photographs of her award-winning bernese who all have tons of titles because she's really active we so we had uh we had burner textiles exhibit we've had burner wait hang on what are burner textiles well <laughs> I'll send you a picture that we have had people that did burner macrames, burner yeah. knitting, burner yeah. needlepoint. We even had a needlepoint class and how to hook needlepoint for burners. I mean, pictures okay. of burners on Christmas yeah. stockings, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, fun, goofy things. Is this yeah. education? No, but it's something that people like to share. Oh, for sure. Um, and then spinning burner fur, all that fur that you have around your house, how to spin it. I would take that class. I have I have this one dog who has um, Jenny, who is a Samoyed mix among other things, and she has super soft fur. And then whenever I'm pulling out big clumps of it, I think to myself, "This would make such a nice sweater." <laughs> so 
<laughs> yes. We had, there's a lovely lady whose name escapes me right now, but I can provide it to you. And she <laughs> will take, if you send her photographs of your dogs, she will make knitting patterns from your photographs. And she's done it for several breeds. We also had an exhibit. I took, I, I did what you said. I kept, I had two Bernese. I've had two and three at different times. I'm down to one now. But I took a box that was probably four feet by four feet by four feet of burner fur to um, Still River Mills in Connecticut. And they spun my burner fur with worsted wool and returned to me 28 skeins of very nice gray, not black, but gray wool. And a friend and I have both knitted scarves of it. So that was that was in the burner textile exhibit. Wow! All kind, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. Kn knitting needlepoint. Yeah, macrame. Mary Alice had a macrame of it that she'd done a long time ago of a burner. So that's fun. You know, it was just burner art. Yeah, it's great. I've been. Um, I would really love at some point. You know, in the in the post pandemic world, for the Functional Dog Collaborative to have in person meetings. And so just all the stuff that you're talking about, I'm, I'm just like, oh, I could do that. And I could, you know, I didn't think of having craft tables. Why not? That's a great way because I want to build community. And that's a great way to have people get together and talk and meet each other. It's, well, the other thing, that, the other aspect of this media center, which was open nine to nine both days, is that it provided kind of a hangout place for newbies people who'd never come before. And then I could introduce them. I'd chat and say, you know, you're here, you're welcome, and tell me about your dog and what are you interested in. And then somebody else would walk by and I'd say, she's really good at draft. You know, come in here, come, let me introduce you to this new person. It allowed people to kind of hang out and meet other new people and connect to old people. So yes, it, it, it's, um, the media center was valuable for community building, for sure. And tell me again, I, I feel like we started talking about the media center, but we got distracted possibly by burner knitting, knitting burner fur. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you were saying there was some, you said there was like nine to 12 computers and they had new software on them. And then what was the goal? What were people there using the computers for? Andrea's concept was that there would be an opportunity for independent learning. You didn't just have to go to a class. If you were new to the specialty and you'd never been to a specialty before, and you were tired of meeting and greeting and you just wanted to go hang out someplace, it allowed you to do independent education. We also had posters. We would sell posters from, you know, photographers that had produced them. It was kind of a mishmash of all different things, but um, not really a vendor, more of a hangout place with alternative ways between the, the trifold displays and... Um, we have done t-shirts. We did sell Bernard t-shirts. And my friend, if you're trying to build a community, um, Marge Buman, who is the president of the Nish regional Neshoba Valley Club for several years, is famous for saying you could finance a small country on t-shirts. So you need you need to have a super logo. But we have a super logo. Great. And then you need you need to sell t-shirts. Not so much for the money, but because when people wear them, they advertising. Yeah. 
God, I would love for us to have teachers. I'm, I'm in such a fledgling community that I don't want to start doing something like that too soon, but certainly in the next year we will have t-shirts. And who knows, maybe people will listen to this podcast and they'll say, Jessica, we need t-shirts and then I'll do it. Um, so Bird or You has grown into quite an undertaking. And you were telling me before that you feel like you have really great volunteer support for it. Absolutely. This is not something I do by myself. This is something I do by myself 12 months a year, a little bit each month. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing would fall apart if if I didn't have technical support. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is speakers will say, I'm coming with my thumb drive or I'm coming with my laptop. Do you have a projector? Right. So, of course, I would either rent projectors or borrow projectors in the first year. We now own three projectors because very often we have three classrooms going at the same time. Oh, wow. So I arrange with the hotel, obviously, in advance for a screen and for audio and how I want it set up, whether it's classroom or conference or circle. Um, But I always have the blessing of two guys that know how, and I, and I own every connector possible that they've told me to buy to connect every possible computer to every possible projector. Um, and without that, it's nothing. I mean, somebody, like you said, somebody can stand up there and give a talk, but if you don't, if you have a wonderful PowerPoint, that's valuable. And that's what people expect now. They want to be visually stimulated as well as to hear what you have to say. So there's that. There's people who um, will show up. Usually I, I arrive on Saturday night and get a really good night's sleep because I know that won't happen again for several days. And uh, Sunday after lunch, I start setting up the media center. And there are always a half a dozen people at least that will pass me in the hallway or come into the media center and say, what can I do to help you? So we, I'll say, assemble the easels and they'll put up the easels and we have big, we take the health cards, which are baseball size. And I make them into posters, three feet by two feet, big posters. So if I don't get you, if you don't get bloat this way, you'll get it this way. Um, People assemble the posters or they'll unpack the boxes and they'll set up the laptops with the new software. And um, in the meantime, everybody says, Oh, the people I haven't seen in a whole year because they're people that come to, the BMDCA specialty from South Africa. They come from Colombia. They come from Japan. They come from Europe, uh, often Switzerland, but Germany, uh, uh, England also, and tons of Canadians obviously come because they're our buddies. But um, people come from far away, and they're always looking to reconnect and chat. And sometimes they do that by saying, oh, I've got a half hour. What can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful proofreader so that all my advertising, that's, is start, the advertising starts in January, specialties in May. I have a collection of canine poetry books. And I, one of the things that I enjoy is reading all the, the dog poetry and then finding a good poem that somehow obliquely references a class. So I'll post the poem and then post the class individually. And that starts in January. I'll post all of the classes and the schedule and the biographies of all the faculty online. But then each day on the Facebook page, it used to be on Yahoo groups, but now it's Facebook. 
um, will I'll post a poem with the description of one class and what you need to know about this teacher and why you would want to come and learn from him or her. So that goes on through January and February. By March, registration closes, and then I have a registrar, a wonderful person in Illinois, Tracy Keith, who like collects and allows, we have limits. Some of the classes have limits, and there's only so many people that can take it. You can't have a hundred surfing burners all in. <laughs> no, you can't. Probably, you probably, well, no, we didn't have a hundred boards. <laughs> you have to know how many surfboards you're going to have. Right. Well, but the, right. The thing is that um, there's also, the other thing about attendance is this. If the room is set up for 30, Tracy will register 40 or 42 people. Because no matter how many people say in January they want to come to that class, by the time it gets to May, they may not show up. And and I don't get bent out of shape about that. They may not show up because they couldn't come to the specialty because somebody's sick. They might have had car trouble. Um, their bitch whelped early. <laughs> or or the puppies didn't leave soon enough. Um, or they they got to the they got to the conference. They got to the hotel. And they started talking with somebody they haven't seen in two or three years. And they, it's like, oh, my God, they forgot. I was supposed to be in a class 40 minutes ago. Yeah. So what I usually tell people who are teaching is, yeah, there are 35 people registered for your class. If only 15 show up, please don't get discouraged because every one of those 15 is going to tell two other people what they learned from you. And the networking aspect of education here, because we're all here for the whole week. Just enjoy teaching. Enjoy being here and, and talk about what you love. And you were telling me earlier today that you've had requests to put this stuff online from people who can't come. Yes. <laughs> That's how I met you. Yes. Well, I was going to be there. I was going to be there in person. I was yes. going to be there in person, and I was really looking forward to that. I, I was thinking I was going to have a whole weekend of cuddling burners. Yes, that's and true. And I thought that was going to be a good weekend for me. Um, but then uh, things happened and there was a pandemic. Uh, but then we decided to do it online. Yes. But I met you because I asked Kathy Burge to teach about bloat, which she had done 10 years ago. And she said, yes, but, but we need a geneticist. And this is the person that I think you should have. Oh. And that's when I wrote you. So um, in addition to genetics every year, which I have at least one, if not two, um, that's how I knew you. And then when COVID arrived and the specialty was canceled, within a couple of days, I got an email from the specialty coordinator, Dottie Schultz, another person who steps in and offers her time and talent endlessly. And when I sent the email to all of my faculty that it was canceled, you immediately wrote back and said, I'll do a webinar for you. <laughs> I may have waited for you guys to say you were thinking about doing webinars, but <laughs> you know, you offered. No, you offered. You did offered. I? Yes, you did. And I thought, oh shoot, now I got to know how to do this. Anyway, so I put out a call and said, "Dottie's asked me to do webinars," and so I said, "Anybody in the faculty is willing to do, you know, an hour, ninety-minute webinar." Are you willing to have it recorded and put it online? And so we did that. And we now have, um, there'll be a half a dozen within two weeks. There's four that are already online as a added value for 
Bernice Mountain Dog Club <laughs> members. And um, there are two more to be recorded in the next two weeks. We'll take a break, and in the fall, I will start asking people again. I put out um, a call to the Burner community for anybody who's ever taught at Burner U. If they would like to do a webinar, let me know. Anybody who's got a new passion that they would like to share, contact me. And actually, that's already happened. Somebody that I had talked to about two or three years ago and totally um, set it aside called me and said, I want to do um, a class in 2021 in Colorado. We're going to be in Estes Park next year. And I want to do a class on all of the therapy things that I do with my dogs. And she has several dogs and she does the read program and she does hospital and she does hospice and she does colleges um, and exam time. I mean, her dogs are pros. And I said, absolutely. We haven't had a therapy dog class in a couple years. Your timing is right. Let's do it. So I kind of invite the burner universe and people show up. It's one of the nicest parts. People show up and say, can I help you? Can I teach? Um, what do you need? So it doesn't feel like a burden. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a huge responsibility or a burden. It doesn't feel heavy. It feels, I just like to throw out a request and then I get to see what comes back. It's great having a supportive community like that. So then, and speaking of communities and how different communities are different. So we were also talking about um, how Burner U is a little unusual in the, in the dog world. So do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, I would love to be wrong, actually. I would love there to be some form of Burner U for every breed, every one of the 200 AKC breeds. Mm -hmm. But after I did the first one in 2005, I called AKC and said, okay, we did it. I made a whole bunch of mistakes. Our classes are way too short. And you need an hour in between classes because dogs have to pee and people have to pee. And, and um, what, other, what other breeds have done this? I'm happy to beg and borrow and steal. I don't need to invent everything. And, and it was Mary Beth O'Neill who said to me, I'm sorry, nobody else is doing this here at the head of the parade. Keep inventing. Which is, was a little disappointing. Um, over the years, I've had... Other breeds, I think the St. Bernards, maybe the Newfoundlands, and then even this spring, uh, the Portuguese water dogs. Somebody from the club said, I have a friend who's got a burner. She told me about Burner U. I think I want to do something like that for my breed. Um, I can't do all that you're doing because it took us years, but um, what do I need to know? And so I've mentored a couple people. So people from other breeds have come to Burner U to kind of see how it actually unfolds and borrowed aspects of it. Um, we used to make a CD that came with your, uh, we were very grandiose in the beginning. You not only, for your, for your $40, your $25 or $40 or $50, you not only got a health card, you got a CD of all the handout articles, I would ask every faculty member for two articles that re related to your topic. They could support your position or they could be opposing, but it was to get people to think. 
and then I would write for permission to reprint them. <laughs> and then we moved on from the CV, CD to Dropbox. Very modern. Yes, contemporary. <laughs> we, we move. We've made every mistake in the book. And I'm, and I'm happy to share what didn't work. But um, people from other breeds have come and visited and taken aspects like the CD or like the card um, or like the media center, but not the whole kit and caboodle. And the only reason it can be as expansive or elaborate as it is in a way, comprehensive, is because there's a lot of people. It's uh, There's a whole 12 people. I mean, my proofreader, I've had the same proofreader. In addition to my husband, Stella, Sherry Vendetti proofreads everything that I put online because I spell things wrong all the time. And I and she'll write me back. She's an excellent scientific writer. She'll say, I, think, I don't think you mean this. I think you mean this. <laughs> and she's right every time. She's absolutely right. So it really is a collaboration of the most fun kind. And our motto, and I think this was from Andrea too in the beginning, come back to school and major in burners. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Which is what you do. It's it's been a wonderful way to welcome new puppy owners into the burner community, which breeders appreciate because then their puppy owners get ongoing education and make connections and volunteer and contribute to the stewardship of the breed long term. It's not just I got my puppy. It's so important in every breed, and you hear it again and again, and in mixed breed dogs, the desire to provide educational resources for owners that owners are motivated to partake of yes. challenges everyone. <laughs> well, it has to be fun. Yes. I think, and it has to be welcoming. And I really think burners are exceedingly affectionate. Not that all dogs aren't affectionate, but burners are exceedingly sometimes too affectionate. Um, and I think that kind of owners pass that along, that they're welcoming and kind. And I think Bernard used really evidence of that. Yeah. You know, it's really a very joyful collaboration. It sounds like it. I, I enjoy talking to you because I can just sort of feel the happiness coming out of you, which is really nice, <laughs> particularly with what's going on in the world today. Oh, that's nice. I'm happy. Well, all right. So what, what else did I want to tell you? We also, I started to say we were really grandiose in the beginning and we would give um, a packet with a bookmark and a notebook with a burner you on the cover, right? Oh, nice. Of course. With, with um, a bookmark with burner you on the cover, you know, read, read, read more. Right. Um, and we've done window decals in, and, and, and pins, in addition to T-shirts. But we would also include, I started um, emailing and actually calling all the dog magazines, uh, Whole Dog Journal and Dogster and all those other ones, and say, can I have 300 of your past issues that you didn't sell? <laughs> and they were happy to give them to me. All I had to do was pay for shipping. Right. So we would give this kind of package of 
magazines and notebooks and a pen and a lead that said, Burner you leading the way. Here's, here's a lead to put in the back seat of your car so when you pass a lost dog, you can scoop it up with this, you know, slip lead. And some of that stuff has fallen by the wayside, but, but we tried a lot of things to engage people aside from the low price and the stellar faculty. And I guess the other thing I should say, which I think helped some clubs kind of adopt some portion of this, is that we make thousands of dollars that fund other parts of the specialty. If I have even 100, I usually have about 130 now, people that sign up for Burner U out of six or 700, that's over $5,000. And I promised the specialty committee that I won't spend more than that. And in 15 years, I've only, most of the time, it costs me about 3000 to put this on, shipping stuff around. Um, I'm in New York, shipping stuff to California. And, uh, and having a lot of volunteers. Having a lot of volunteers. But I also don't want to be abusive. So... I'll pay for mileage for people who drive two or three hours to come and teach. I will pay an honorarium um, for people who teach. And if they need to stay overnight, I'll pay for their hotel room. In the beginning, we paid for meals. We kind of got away from that. But I mean, I wanted to make it a pleasant experience for faculty as well as students. And even at the most, um, I would still have. $2,000 or more, sometimes three or four, to turn back into the kitty of the whole specialty. So it's win, win, win. The faculty gets a nice experience. The students get amazing educational opportunities. The dogs get to stay in class with their owners instead of in a crate. And, um, and the club in general gets money to fund draft or herding or something, or barn, barn hunt, something new, you know, that isn't going to make a lot of money, but still costs money. Right. Um, so here's here's $2,000 to do that. Okay, I'll take it. I mean, I've been planning to ask you what your relationship with the club was, but it sounds like it's pretty good that they appreciate you. I'm not an official education committee, mm -hmm. but Andrea and I have been consistent, predictable, and reliable in producing an event that contributes to the overall specialty. So you would characterize your, so Burner U is separate from the Bernie's Mountain Dog Club of America, but affiliated closely, closely yes, affiliated and very friendly with. Very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> In bed with. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but, but I mean, that's why I did it because I was a BMDCA right. member and I wanted to go to this, specialty and I wanted to learn from these people. I wanted to I wanted to see structure under all that fur and I didn't know how. <laughs> I didn't know how. And Sylvia Howison, a very early burner owner and breeder and judge, um, taught a class on how to feel structure. Yeah, that was like in two thousand six or two thousand seven. So yes, I mean I I don't in no way would I violate any BMDCA boundaries. I have great respect. But we have a really good working relationship. We do. So do you have, do you have plans for the future? And I guess part of that question is, 
how do you imagine Burner Ye growing and changing if you do? And part of that maybe is, do you think that it has become something solid enough that if the time comes for you to move on, that it will continue without you? Or is Burner Ye synonymous with Windows Fever? No. Um, well, it may be, partially. But um, a lovely lady named Margie Geiger, who's now on the board, she, I sold a puppy to her several years ago and made a new friend. And um, two or three years ago, I guess two years ago, when I turned 70, I, I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm turning into an old lady. So, so would you be interested in taking this over, you know, if I have a stroke? <laughs> and she said yes. So for the last year and a half or so, she's shadowed me. And every email that I sent, I, co I blind copied her. So she has a complete, I mean, I will put all of my files on a, um, on a thumb drive and give it to her if something happens to me or she can have my computer, you know? Yes. I don't, I wouldn't want it to vanish. Like I said, I've made so many mistakes. Um, there's no reason for somebody to make them all over again. And the things that work really work, which is not to say that it wouldn't change. The webinar that you did is for BMDCA members, but I imagine at some point some of those webinars might move to, with the faculty's permission, would have to move online in order to draw people into the club, not just provide added value. But, but that's not where we are now. That's a possibility or not. Or we'll do other webinars that are online that allow people to, who have a Bernese puppy and don't know anything about nutrition or don't understand titers and what, what's a titer and why shouldn't I go get another vaccine? My vet, you know, that kind of stuff. There should be some of those that could, could attract people to the breed and to get more involved. It's a, it was a rare breed. It's not rare anymore. But um, we do have a bottleneck, a genetic bottleneck. And we're going to have to move beyond this at some point if we expect to have healthy Bernese for the next 50 years. So having people who get newly enchanted with Bernese and then want to consider breeding, we want them to find the information online too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there are a lot of incentives these days and a lot of pressures to move information online. And my suspicion is that even if you have in-person burner you in another year with no problems, that you'll still, you will be forever changed by starting to do these webinars. Yes. Yes. I think so too. But you know what? The, the media center has contracted. Um, sometimes that happens because the hotel that, is the host hotel just doesn't have enough meeting space for us. Sure. And so I give up the media center. I've done it two years, I think. And there just isn't one. But instead, things are online. Okay. We're flexible. I just, I usually say to the, I said it to the 2021 chair about two months ago. I said, I'll, I'll make Burner U one day 
I could, I've done it three days, but I don't really, it's, that, that ends up being work somehow. But I'll make it smaller or larger. You tell me how much space and how much time you want to give to education, and I'll make it fit. I don't, I'm not rigid. Well, I think education should have all the space, but. I know. That's my personal perspective on the world. I think that's about it. There is, or I have, if people want to, um, if anybody wanted to contact me because they think they want to do this, I have a list of all of the classes. Wow. Of all of the classes that we've, let me see if I can. I think there's, it's over 300 classes that we've had, 300 different classes. I feel like we had this conversation before. I need to remember to, to get that from you. Because we're putting together a, a curriculum and being and looking through those classes would be useful. To... I told you that I would give you a list of all of the speakers, and I have that too. Mm-hmm. And here's, this was published in 2018 in the Gazette. There is, an, there is an article in the AKC Gazette of July 2018 with a, per, with a photograph of Nani, the surfing burner. Um, is she surfing? Yes. She's surfing in the photograph? Yes. That's fantastic. Oh, yes. You didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> I believe you. I just, I just think that seeing it would be such a wonderful moment oh, in it's my the life. Best. <laughs> No, it is. It will definitely make you happy to see this picture. She um, she raises money for rescue, and she's got – there are a lot of other dogs that surf down on Dog Beach. Um, over the first 14 years, there were 2,680 students that registered for 316 distinctly different classes, and there were 340 talented teachers that wow. shared their knowledge. You have educated a lot of people. I think that's something to be really proud of. I am, but it wasn't me doing the educating. I think I've only taught two classes the whole time. (laughs) It wouldn't have happened without you, though. Perhaps not. Um, The classes I taught were, actually, this would be a good class for you. I'll teach this for when you have your conference. It was called Beyond the Box. And it was all the things you need to know. I taught it with Bobby Hefner, who's a much more experienced breeder than I am from the West Coast. And it was all the things you need to know about being a breeder, operating a small business, responsibly and ethically, um, besides the genetics and the reproduction Mm. issues, all the other stuff that you need to know to really be good. And the other one was not really me teaching so much as um, we had a breeder's luncheon in one of the first years where one of the two days... The class was all the breeders come and talk to each other. There wasn't a speaker. There was everybody speaking. And we had the table set up. So one table was about whelping and one table was about selecting a sire. And another table was about how you interview families, that kind of thing. So it was really burner, peer education, yeah, pure peer education. Yeah. I love that idea. I've been to conferences, um, academic conferences where at lunchtime, there's a big sign up for pick a table and pick what topic you are going to want to talk about at the table. Um, and I remember I wrote down, I want to talk about the science of dogs at my table. And that table did really well. <laughs> yes. So that could be a good way. 
I'm I am bursting with ideas now. This is good. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Oh, it was my pleasure, as you can tell. <laughs> so, if people do want to get in touch with you to learn more about Burner U, or if they want to just learn about Burner U, uh, where would they go online? There's a Burner U site, www.burneru.org. Cool. Which has got a lot of information. Um, that's another person. We have a webmaster. I mean, I don't know how to do that. Kelly does that for me. Um, there's a Facebook page, which has information on it. And all of the health cards are on the Facebook page and the Burner U site. And they're free for download. So you can take it and swap out our Burner logo, put in yours, and steal it. Be my guest. Um those are the two places, and you can contact me directly at lynda.sievergmail. Oh, you're very brave. Only good people are going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> so far, that's been true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda. This has been fabulous. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was fun. Thanks so much for listening. The Functional Breeding Podcast is a product of the Functional Dog Collaborative and was produced by Sarah Espinoza Socal. Come join us at the Functional Breeding Facebook group to talk about this episode or about responsible breeding practices in general. To learn more about the Functional Dog Collaborative, check out functionalbreeding.org. Enjoy your dogs. Enjoy your dogs.